freedom in this place today. If you need God just to show up in your situation, I want you to throw your hands in the air. That's not a Pentecostal thing, that's a Bible thing. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. Lift your voice, that's a Bible thing. That's a creative order thing. That's why you and I were created. God is here for somebody. Let's, let's just pretend today. But can you imagine in a good marriage? She's prepared the supper. He's been at work all day. She's prepared to work, get the house all ready, taking care of the kids. And five o'clock rolls in and she's got a spread of food lined up. And in comes the husband. And for some, this is a reality. I know, that's why I said I've got to qualify these statements nowadays because we live in a different day. But to the right perspective, he would have come in and been so appreciative and thankful of everything that was done for the family and for him. But she keeps on giving. She keeps on preparing. You flip the coin and say that for a husband to a wife. Well, it's no different in our relationship with God. This is why God is so good. He is always preparing a table. And it don't matter how bad our attitude is. It does matter. But to God, you know one thing? He's going to keep on making a table. He's going to keep on setting the atmosphere. He's going to keep on telling you His Word. He's going to keep on because God never stops in his faithfulness. Regardless of my acceptance of him. Now, here's the thing. I'll pay for my attitude. I'll pay for my rejection. I didn't want that today. I need God to show up today. I need him to fix this today. And when God don't do what we want him to do, we push the table back and say, God, you didn't do today what needed to be done they didn't walk in that back door they didn't come here They, my heart and mind right now is so disconnected but I want to serve notice today that it doesn't matter what you've been through or what your mind's telling you or the attitude position you may be in God is forever going to be in a perpetual reach trying to help you and I come to the realization that God is for us it doesn't matter. Every time you and I sin, he's already made atonement through the blood. Every time you and I make a sidestep, God's there to put us back on track again. One more time, if you're just thankful for God's faithfulness, tell him with your mouth, not just your hands. God, I thank you today for your faithfulness. I thank you that you're always faithful to me when I'm so unfaithful in my commitment to you. You still love me. You still care for me. God, I thank you today. Oh, I thank you today. 
such a beautiful presence of God. God bless you, Sunday school. You're dismissed today, young people, Sunday school staff. Our visitors here today, while they're making their way out, you see people with an expression of praise and worship. You see them running and lifting their hands and leaping for joy. I said it in the beginning, that's a Bible thing. That's a Bible thing. I wish I had a few saints with me right now. See, because here's why. You're created in the image of God. And Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, the Logos, the expression of God. So to be created in the image of God means you inherited the expression of God. Somebody stay with me. I'm already preaching. You inherited by being created in His image the expression of God. God is a God of expression. He speaks. He demonstrates. He moves or manifests Himself. And I being created in that expression in my creative order am created to show expression. Here's the difference. What do I show the expression to? I show expression to things that feel good to me. This is where the rubber meets the road. I show expressions to winning the lottery. I'll get some of your attention there. Benoit just said we can play the lottery. I did not. Just said you might have won it. We show expression at a sporting arena. And that cannot save you. It cannot fix you. Is it harmful? No, but when you can't show expression to God created in His image, something's out of balance. Short of being broke in your body, there should be something inside of you that just says, God, I love you today. That's your creative order, and outside of that, I'm out of order. Yeah, like a preach on that, boy, that just feels good. You say, no, it don't, because you're preaching to me. I don't ever want a preacher to just tell me what I want to hear. The, re- the church is never supposed to be a social club. This modern-day secular Christianity has made the church into a social club. We're social drinkers. We just come and take a little sip, but we never get intoxicated on the Spirit of God. Church was never supposed to be a social group. I'm for church friendly and greeting and these things of that nature. But it was supposed to be an entity of people that wants to know truth. And whatever the truth is, that's what I want that preacher to tell me because I want to make heaven. This ain't my home. I want truth no matter how it comes to me. Just speak the truth. That's the church. Oh, I done got to meddling right now. I can see little things just popping up like at Chuck E. Cheese. And I'm just popping them down one by one. Got your Bible, Psalms. I'll teach you to put me on a vacation. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is a God or good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
For there are no bands in their death. There's nothing to restrain them is what he's saying. But their strength is firm. It's like there's nothing to hold them back. He was not talking about when the word verse 3 is the prosperity. He was not talking about money. He was speaking of evil and wrong flourishing through. And he said it seems like there's no band to hold them under control. Their strength seemingly is firmer than ever. Verse 5. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out in fatness. They are more than a heart could wish. They're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning the oppression. They speak lawfully. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people turn hither. And waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. It just wears the people of God out. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I I have cleansed my heart in vain. I have washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of the children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I. Therein, there I understood it. A couple to go, the Lord spoke a thought. Never really had the 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 pieces of it together. Which is last night He began to put the pieces together, and earlier this morning I began and wrestled with the title. This thing's going in and out on me, brother. Brother, I can't see who's back there. Huh? Say again, I'm deaf. There. Is that going to help? All right. And the target eluded me, or the, the title. But then it came back to me so clearly, this title. Where did I lose it? Where did I lose it? And I'm not prone to giving it in the form of a a question. But I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost to ask the question to somebody today. Where did I lose? I'm not talking about losing your cool or losing your temper. I'm talking about where did I lose and let go of that foundational hold that I had in the hand of God so long ago. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to help us today. Jesus, speak to our heart today. Speak to our spirit. Speak to us, God. Help our hearts to understand your word today. Let it not be as the words of man, though we're the conduit. But let your word go forth with an understanding and a clarity to what you are telling us in this hour. 
I pray it in the name of Jesus. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Ron, hold fast for me. 2 Samuel 23, verse 1. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 1. You know, I, 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 again, in, in this, this title or thought, where did I lose it? I've lived long enough in, in walking with God that I have found that walking with Him is hills and valleys. It's ups and downs, not emotional ups and downs, but life throws you a set of circumstances and, and situations that I, I didn't maybe account for. And we find in Scripture when Jesus even came to the young man and asked him to follow him. And he said, yeah, I'll follow you. And he said, well, go back and get rid of everything else and then come back. And, and his response was he left the Lord very sorrowful and very heavy because there were things that the Lord was asking of him that he did not account that he would ask him for. There are things in me and you're walking with God that he, he asks us for things at the level by which we understand. And that's the biggest part of the challenge is trying to understand what is God trying to do in this moment. Now, I'm not coming to you today with a pop psychology or a, a, a mindset from the local or the, the, the highest bestseller uh, psychology book out on the market here today. I'm coming to you today with just a basic understanding with why do things happen like they do and yet why do I let go when things don't work out like I want? Why is it such a struggle to hang on to what I know? But yet, in that moment, it's like if I don't let some of these things just kind of go, my mind seemingly is going to implode. My worry is going to go to another level. My, my concern and my fears are going are to go to another level. I, I, don't, I don't know if I don't get some remedy for my heart and mind. I'm going to lose What's so important? Now I know that under the sound of my voice here today, there's a, there's a barrage of backgrounds and past. For some, it would be an early life when you first came to God and started living for God. Your experience at an altar of God filling you with the Holy Ghost. And God doing something so powerful in your life in that moment that there you remember it. But now look at today and look at then. How far off course am I from that moment? What happened that I don't experience that or that have that moment with him? Where did I lose? When you came out of that, we came out with joy and excitement and, and a feeling of, of just, man, I can't wait to get back to church again. Where did I lose my excitement to come to the house of God? Where did I lose my joy in just living for God, Brother Roger? Again, I've experienced it already. I you know, preach for so long now and, and got messages and messages. And my Lord, I, I mean, you, I got a pile of them on my desk. I could just randomly pull any message and preach it. And if I'm not careful, Brother Roger, I'm putting my head on the block today. I could easily just kind of get lazy. And say, well, I got all these stacked up. So why don't I just pull one out that's going to be easy and I can hurry up and beat the crowd and be at Roy's. And everybody will love me and pat me on the back and say, man, that was just wonderful. 
But did we really plant roots deep? Did we really understand what God wants of me and you? Did I really have an understanding of why I'm even living for God? You wonder the challenge sometimes a preacher faces. Much of his challenge is fighting the traditional mindset that whether we want to believe it or not filters into the church. Come on, preacher, preach a sermon today. Look at this. You can hear a rat eat nice today. They ain't got three amens in five minutes. See, tradition. Say, well, I'm listening. Yeah, but there's still a part that I can listen. I ain't that ADD. Right. But you see, our mind is so enamored with where, where, what's God doing in my life? Where, where's God at in all of this? Where have I lost my joy? Where have I lost my determination that when I read the word of God, I'm ready to get into Where have I lost that excitement for just living for God? See, we're created in the image of God. Man was created. God has a, a, a conscious awareness. He has a conscious and a self-awareness. There's two parts to it. Conscious. The animal world don't have a self-consciousness. You and I have a self-consciousness. You know, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. If I brought a dog in here and put him up on the stage, he ain't going to be embarrassed. But if I grabbed you and put you up here, you probably would be embarrassed. You have a self-consciousness. The animal kingdom don't have that. We have a perpetual created in the image of God. He was created with a self-awareness as well. In the beginning was the word. The word means logos, which means thought or expression of God. That Logos, the Word, God manifested in the flesh. God manifested Himself in the flesh as the expression of God. Objectively. It's not subjective. It's not did He really exist. He did exist. He manifested Himself in the flesh and He became a thought is something abstract. You with me? But he didn't do just a thought. A thought is something that's just kind of in there. Like right now, many of you got a bunch of thoughts. Where's Benoit going? That's abstract. But God didn't just keep his thought abstract. He had a consciousness. But then he began to make that thought an expression and a reality, an objective truth. I'm going somewhere with it. And we are created in his image with not only a conscious awareness that I am, but that we have another self-conscious awareness. And that self-consciousness is what am I to God? It's where a lot of mental health comes in. It's con it's con is it real? Yeah, sure, it's real. But it, it didn't start like that. There's something in the mind that that self-consciousness is messed up. It's kind of like the old story of the boy that went to, the doctor showed up at the insane asylum. He met a guy at the door, one of the patients, and the patient came up to him and said, Hey, don't go around that guy over there. The doctor said, Why? He said, He's Jesus. And the doctor looked at him and said, How do you know he's not? He said, Because I am. In his own mind, he was Jesus too. In our own mind, we're a hero. In our own mind, we can do anything that we want to do. But the truth of the matter is, I can't do nothing if Jesus don't come and help me in my own mind. This is what makes the Holy Ghost so invaluable. You getting 
the Holy Ghost causes now. I, I no longer, Brother Roger, will look in a mirror through a self-conscious that can be jaded. You can think you're right when you're wrong. If you and I are left to our own imagery, our own mindset, I can look in there and I can believe something for so long that now I'm right, but man, I'm really wrong. You don't, don't say, well, I'm sincere. Hitler was sincere. Sincerity don't validate truth in me and your heart. And the only thing that can correct a self-consciousness is the Holy Ghost living inside of you and I that when I look at myself in the mirror, I can realize, you know what? I can't do that again. I can't act that way again. I can't live that way again. I've got to live according to the will of God and the purpose of God. And the Holy Ghost is what helps you and I to do that. See, but the struggle... I face now, Brother Mark and Tail is, I've had the Holy Ghost for so long and I've shut its mouth for so long, Mike, that now I can't even hear from the Holy Ghost no more. Everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. It don't require all that. You've shut the mouth of the Holy Ghost now. I'm trying to help somebody understand something. I'm in the Holy Ghost. If I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, this is where we've lost something. I've got to go back to that tenderness and that openness where I can lay before the presence of God and say, God, I need you to talk to me. And whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. If you want me to pray, if you want me to talk to somebody, if you want me to encourage somebody, if you want me to... Paddle is because we get very opinionated. Oh, I didn't get no amens right there, Brother Mike. That's how I know I'm right by the stump. We get very opinionated and we think our way is right. And we're wondering why we've lost our joy, why we've lost our hope in living, why we've lost our excitement for seeing somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the purpose of the church. The church, before you ever even get to Acts 2.38, he said, go into all the world, preaching and teaching this gospel and this truth. The thing, there should be something that rises up in me that says, God, I can't lose the excitement of wanting to live for you. I can't lose the excitement of seeing somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. He goes, I can't lose the excitement of coming to the house of God and seeing a blind eye open and a deaf ear unstop. See, Brother Joe, self-consciousness unchecked by the Spirit of God is why many people are going to be lost. Judges says it like this, they did what was right in their own eyes. This is why we need each other. This is why we've got to stick together. This is why we need the presence of God in our services more than some show by singing or some fancy preaching. I need the presence of God to come and settle on you and I like he's never settled before. That doesn't make God schizophrenic or two gods. Look at the prodigal son. I'm trying to get to my message. Look at the prodigal son. The Bible says that he had the inheritance of the house. But when that boy left the house, it took him going to a pig pen. And what does the Bible say? When he was eating pig slop, what does it say? He came unto himself. What happened? It took pig food 
to get him to realize how much he needed his daddy's house. And we've got a world now telling you and I, just be like Frank Sinatra. Have it your way. Do what you want to do and live however you want to live. You hear me. If it's not within the confines of the word of God, you and I are going to be broke down, disgusted. We're going to lose family after family. We're going to lose young person after young person. But if I can realize the difference that makes the difference is getting in the presence of God. That's why people always struggle. People always struggle. Shit. People always struggle over in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, God, Elohim, Hebrew, Hebrew, Elohim, God, plural. And right there, everybody trips up. See, there's a multiple of gods. No, 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 no. I don't find that nowhere in scripture. God the Son ain't even in the Bible. Now, y'all gonna have to buy the tape, go back and lose it, and come meet, come, listen to it, and come back and meet me to try to prove me wrong. God the Son is not even in the Bible. Whoa. I thought I'd have got a few more amens right there from the faithful family. Lone Ranger rides again. I'm by myself. It's not there. God the Son is not in the Bible. Don't exist. The Son of God, but not God the Son. They say, what are you talking about? Because in the beginning, Elohim, God, there was no God the Son. Isaiah said like this, beside me there's no other. I alone created the heavens. He didn't look over Jehovah Jr. and say, I need some help creating. He didn't do that. God alone. So how do I deal with the plurality of the word God, which is just general God, but it's plural. How do I deal with the plurality of it? It's real simple. Look at the back of the word. Elohim. I am. You know what I am means on the back of that word? It means majestic in power and glory. So what it's trying to say is, is this. God in the beginning did not consult with somebody else to create. God who was all. There wasn't enough terms of words that you could have put to him. He has so many descriptions of how great he is and what he is. He had to be defined not plural plural in person, but plural in power, plural in majesty, plural in glory. Boy, I wish I had a church helping me today, Brother Wade. He was plural, not in person, but in his power. What are you saying, Brother Benoit? I'm saying this, that when God stepped to the plate, he had everything in the very beginning within himself to help you and I make it through whatever we would make it in 2023. Every word that describes him, he's faithful, he's mighty, he's holy, he's strong, he's glorious. There's nothing that God cannot do. That's everything about it. And when you put the name that was a mystery from the very beginning, when you call on the name of Jesus, you just reach back all the way to creation and said, everything that you are, I need you to stand today. I'm fighting depression. I'm fighting hopelessness. I'm fighting God a joyless life but if you can help me in the name of Jesus and he moves but our struggle our struggle see it's not God's lacking it's we've lost it we've lost what was it 
What was it in me? See, David was this way. David was this way. See, David, I close with the, the prodigal. Watch what he did, though. Let me, let me finish him. He came to his senses, Brother Daryl. He had a self-awareness. I'm wrong. He had a self-awareness. I have messed up. And when he came to his senses, what does it say? I arose and went home. A change cannot come to me in your life until I realize I'm a sinner. I'm preaching to myself as a preacher. I'm a sinner, Brother Wade. When I wake up in the morning, I'm a sinner. And every day I need the blood of the Lamb. I need His blood to wash me. I need His blood to keep me. I need His presence to help me because I can't do this on my own. You can't free yourself from drug addiction. You can't free yourself from alcohol addiction. You can't free yourself from pornography. You can't free yourself from adultery. But I know one that can. And if I can get the presence of God, the blood of the Lamb moving, then you and I can pick up where we lost it. I'm going to try to be all sweet and pastory. I know, Sister Becky, Brother Wade, Brother Langley, I know life is hard. You're looking at a preacher that I ain't been, I wasn't raised with a silver spoon. I've been through ups and downs. And Brother Langley, I've had to do everything I can to fight for my relationship in God. And there's been days I've walked in prayer saying, God, why don't I have that, 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 that overwhelming impression like I used to have when I'd call on you? I, I get it sometimes, but I'm talking about I want it more. See, I don't want to ever lose the desire that, that I might have had it last week. I might have had it a month ago. I'm not satisfied with that. I want it today. And if I don't get an, expre- uh, 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 an impression of his presence today, when the sun rises tomorrow, I'm not going to lose what he's given me. But I'm going to go at it again. And I'm going to try to find. It's hard sometimes, brother. Joe, that's why I said I'm trying to be pastoral here and be loving. And Hey, it's, it's tough. But who would be honest with me today and say, I've lost something and I don't know where I lost it. Come on, there ain't nobody exempt from the oldest. Even Sister Weeda, I don't care how old you are, that thought comes through your mind. Where did I lose something? God, do I still have and have I invested more? I don't mean to deviate, but I will just real quick. We've deterred, detoured. Well, I've done what I need to do. Don't ever settle for all you need to do. Don't ever settle for, well, I've done everything I need to do. Don't ever settle for a checklist mentality in living for God. Because if you settle for a checklist mentality for God, I promise you, you got some troubling days coming your way. But if you can live for them like this, I wake up this morning, for this is the day the Lord hath made, I will rejoice. God, you're with me today. You're going to guide me today. You're going to lead me today. I'm not going to be subject to my own self-awareness. I know what I am. I'm a sinner. And if I let my way and my will go, I'm going to mess up everything. But if I can stay in the will of God and in the presence of God, God and in the word of God.
David and all of these struggled. David struggled so much. David, Samuel, Psalm 73, he starts with it, talking about the wicked prospering. David, the warrior David. David, why do you care? Has anybody ever asked that question? David, why does it matter that the wicked is prospering? You're not God. Come on, somebody, get, get, get real right now. I'm not God. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how they let me down. You don't know how they abused me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. I'm not God and neither are you. And there's something in that Bible that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When you and I get in the seat of taking vengeance on our own, you just push God out of the equation. You just basically said, I'm now self-aware. I'm self-conscious. I'm all that and I can take care of it. I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to work this out. I'm just going to ignore them. I'm just not going to talk to them. I just ain't going to call. Or what's the thing on, on media now? I'm going to thumb down them. Oh, come on, somebody. What they do? They put their thumb down or they, what's the other one? We call it disfellowship in our organization. What you call that on social media where they just ban you? Huh? Now, cancer, there's another word y'all use. Y'all got fancy. Yeah, block them. You just block them. I, I shun them. But I'm just going to shun them on, 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 on that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to disfollow them. There's my word. I'm going to disfollow you. <laughs> I ain't following you. You mean to me. And we just write them off. You know what we just did? We just stepped back into our self-conscious without the Holy Ghost and we said, I got this handled. I'll take care of this. I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to fix this my way. I'm going to show them a lesson to ever talk about me. I'm just going to disfollow them. And when they get that little notification that I ain't no more their friend, See, because we ain't got the guts to really say, I'm not your friend. <laughs> I'm heading back on vacation next week because I'm meddling good. That's all. The, I heard somebody say social media is liquid courage. People that are not bold, which we shouldn't be. The only thing we should be bold is coming for the presence of God. I don't ever want to use my boldness to hurt anybody. But you see, we let these things happen. And here's, we lose something. And then we wait 10, 20, 15, 30 years down the road. And we're not feeling, and I use that word feeling very loosely. We're not experiencing that, that encounter with God, Brother Sean, like we used to. And we're looking and going, where did I lose it though? What happened to me? This is where David was on the verge. He was looking at all of this in his own. He was a warrior. David could have picked up a sword and said, I'm going to teach those evil people a good lesson. I'm going to go to battle for and I'm going to whip them good. David didn't do that. Instead, David compartmentalized it. And he goes to God and saying, I don't understand I don't understand why wickedness and evil is getting by and you do nothing, God. 
You just sit there uh, uh, and, and they're getting stronger and nothing refrains them and they have liberty to do whatever. And David, in his struggle, he gives the whole list in Psalm 73 till it finally starts changing about verse 11. He said the people of God are like a cup. They're, they're just wrung out. There's nothing left. How long are you going to let the people suffer? How long are you going to let people suffer? How long? It's like people with healing. If we know he's a healer and people don't get healed, there's only a few things it could be. One, it's not God's will. It is his will for people to be healed. But for that one, that plague is unto death. Is what the Bible talks about. There's some things I'm going to pray for for sickness. And you ain't coming out. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Come on, we got to face it one way or the other, folks. We are going to die. So this is unto death if God don't heal. Or it's God allowing the infliction, affliction, and plague to come to try to save us. But in that moment, Brother Daryl, I look at all of this and go, oh, no, God's against me. Instead of looking at myself and in the word of God and saying, you know what, God, I need to make sure that whatever I started this journey with in your presence, I need that presence to come to me right now. I don't want to take matters into my own hand. I don't want to become doubtful and unbelieving. I don't want to become skeptical. And what we've birthed in this hour is I say, God can heal you today. But now watch, I just said that. The thought that comes to so many minds is, okay. But when the word of God, I'm going to heal you today, should have been. I believe that. But the lack of the response tells me we've lost something. We've lost something that I, I was supposed to maintain. God is still a healer. And whether he does it today or not, he's still a healer. Whether he heals of cancer today or not, he's still a healer. Whether he heals your mind or emotion, he's still a healer. He's still a healer, Mike. Regardless of what the doctor says or my mind says. He's still a healer. That's the absolute trust, truth of God. He's a healer. And what I need to do is look into his word, not look to myself. And that's where we lose so many things. When tough times come, we look to ourselves to get us out. When trouble comes, we look to ourselves. When problems come, we look to ourselves. We look back to our own ways, maybe, or, or maybe our education, or maybe our bruteness, or maybe our strength. Instead of saying, God, I'm not going to look to myself, but I'm going to look to you. And if I look to him, then God's able to deliver anything God's able to set free that's why I see in this hour it, it parallels I don't have time to qualify musicians y'all get ready y'all go ahead and come because I want to quit it parallels the end the, the, the closing of the, the, the dispensation it's closing just like it is now and here's what settled on the people of God in the end in the end church and I'm, my brain's working too fast slow down when they came to the close of the dispensation, about 500 B.C., everybody with me? I'm closing. 
When they came to the close of the dispensation, when they rebuilt the temple, they had the tabernacle, then Solomon built his temple, then from there, Nehemiah and all them went back to rebuild the temple. Here's what it was all about. Watch. When they rebuilt the temple, the biggest battle they fought was unbelief. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. It fought unbelief. In the garden with Adam and Eve, it wasn't selfishness. We can describe that, and that may have been a small component, but the biggest component in the garden, Brother Mike Smith, was unbelief. And here's what it was. The serpent came and said, Hath God said? Getting them or her to question and distrust God. And today, it's no different. He's trying to get you and I to distrust God, that God's not a healer. God's not a miracle worker. God didn't get you and I in the church for you and I to live a life of mediocrity. God put us in the church that we could experience joy. And, and, and they built that third, that second temple, Nehemiah and Ezra. After Solomon, Babylonians came in, Brother Mike Smith, and raided the temple. But now watch. When that next temple was rebuilt, they battled unbelief, doubt, unbelief, Zach. So for the end time, the struggle you and I will face is unbelief in God. Can God do it? Can God deliver me? Can God him? I will say this. The longer you go in sin, the harder it is. You're going to still have baggage. Now God will deal with it and his grace will be sufficient. But you hear me. It would be a whole lot easier for you and I to realize here, I've lost something, God. I've lost my way. I've lost my walk. I've lost my joy. I've lost my prayer. I've lost my warfare in God. I've lost my ability to pray. Whatever it is that I've lost, it would be a whole lot easier for me to realize it today. Somebody asked me a question. I'll go back to the temple. Brother Wade, don't let me forget temple. I asked somebody the other day, that they're asking me about pastoring. And I said, you know the hardest thing about pastoring? Sister, please not come over here because you're safe. The hardest part about pastor, evangelizing, I didn't have this. Operating in the prophetic, I didn't have that. I come in, just say, thus saith the Lord, you'll be dead in two days. And we're done. Kind of like that lady in, over yonder. But a pastor is totally different. You don't operate like that, Hayden. Here's what happens. You go to bed with them on your mind. You wake up with them on your mind. And the human part of it wants to come up to him and go, would you please just wake up? It's going to cost you your marriage. It's going to cost you your kids. It's going to cost you. And watch, generations are going to perpetuate themselves. And for the next pastor that comes after I die, if the Lord tarry, he'll be dealing with that next generation. And the hard part, Sister Bushnell, is trying to bring people into the presence of God and realizing you can't do this on your own. You can't be a good employee. You can't be a good husband. You can't be a good preacher. You can't be a good son. You can't be anything without the help of God working through you and I fluently. Fluently. Because so many of us has lost the fluently of God moving through us. We've lost it, Brother Joe. Living for God 30 years. When was the last time they got into a moment that they were so lost in prayer? That they, they woke up and their eyes, they got up from the floor and their eyes were swollen because they had prayed through the midnight hour. They had lost their voice because they had talked in tongues through the midnight hour. Where have we lost that? 
Have we become so traditional and denominational and trying to appeal to some economical movement out here that we got to appeal to that? Where is the apostolics in the end time that says God is for me? God is not against me. And I've got to realize I cannot lose what God's done. Here's where we're going. Back to the temple. When that temple finally went up, there were five things that was never back in that temple. When they finally did, don't hear me. I say this to a family. I feel in the Holy Ghost to say this to somebody. You may get it back right again. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. But now watch. When they finally did get the temple up and going, and Ezra and Nehemiah and all them, there were five things that were not there that were in the previous temple. There are some things you're not going to get back from God the longer you wait. And you're going to put a preacher up here and he's going to preach his guts out like I did today with every bit of love and compassion. Just pleading with somebody today. But when they rebuilt that temple, Sister Bushnell, there was no ark. There was no Shekinah. There was no Herman and Thurman. All the components that brought a manifestation of God. What they had once knew was now just a memory. I'm preaching to somebody today saying it don't have to be a memory. That experience you had with God when God first filled you with the Holy Ghost, it don't have to be a memory. That first time you invited somebody to the church and they came and God filled them with the Holy Ghost, that don't have to be a memory. That first time you lifted your hands and you began to just worship God. You didn't care about what people thought, but you just worship God. That experiential moment right there doesn't have to be a memory. And I preach to some backslider today. It don't matter how far you've gone. Don't let unbelief keep you out. Where did I lose it? I've asked myself, this message today is, I preached it to myself over and over. Where have I lost it? I remember walking that floor in San Francisco on Zeta Drive, baby. You were at home, you were off with the kids. And I'd walk from that front door to that closet in the back. And I can remember that closet crack just like it was yesterday. And I'd look at that crack and I'd say, God, don't let this desert I'm in cause me to lose my joy in living for you. Don't let this desert that I'm in or the hurt of people and things that were done. Folks, I had people, I had people coming against my kids. My little Natalie was what, five, six, seven, eight, nine, what, how old? Nine. I had a little old lady come up to her, Sister Weeden, no disrespect came up to my little girl and said why are you wearing that just so ugly and here my little girl comes back and says what in the world going on mama, mama about to come out like a bear I said whoa, whoa, whoa trigger hang on that's a mama she going to fight for them babies that's the way it's supposed to be and together we figured out so I'd walk that floor and say, God, they hurt me. God, people have let me down. God, ministry. I'm, I'm talking to somebody so in the Holy Ghost. I know I'm over time. Just hang with me. Let the roast burn. 
Ministries hurt me. People have hurt me. Families have hurt me. The church has hurt me. But somebody needs to rise in this end time and say, you know what? I'm not going to lose the most important thing. David said it like this. I sought to know. I sought to know. You know what that means, Brother Mike? It means he began to look at himself. You go study it. It means he began to look introspectively and then began to look at God as he was positioned in the whole grand scheme of it. Do I take my sword and go kill him or do I stay right here and look to God? And here's what he said. It was too painful for me to face. Somebody hear me today. The reason we've lost what we have lost is because we don't want to face the pain of yesterday. We don't want to go to them and say, I'm sorry. We don't want to go and say, I forgive you. We'd rather hold on to it in our heart. The resentment, the unforgiveness. David said it was too painful. You know what the word painful means? Labor. If you're going to get through this, Mim, David, Mim, Jacob, Brother Charlie, if you're going to get through it, there's only one way you're going to get through it. You're going to have to work in the Spirit. You're going to have to labor through the pain. They hurt me. They let me down. They betrayed me. They lied on me. And if I would have let everything that's been done to me, Brother Charlie, I wouldn't be standing here today. Here's what you'd be hearing. You'd be hearing bitterness, resentment. No, because I learned, Brother Ron, that last verse, until I worked and I worked and I prayed and I sought God. God, I need you to help me through my mind. I need you to help me through the unforgiveness. I need you to help me through my sin. I need you to help me through my error. I need you to help me through disappointing you. I need to help help me, God, get through what I've done and what they've done to me. As he kept doing it, Brother Langley, the Bible says, until when I got in God's presence I got to smiling again because I realized you can't hurt me I'm not bitter against you I'm not mad but I realized God has built me up and God has put me in this position and there's not one thing the old Bible sticks and stones man live in a glass house yeah they hurt but you see I've done learned the secret it don't matter what you say about me it don't matter what you think about me I've done learned if I can get in the presence of God everything's going to work itself out I'll find hope for my soul I'll find peace for my family Stand with me. Until he got in the presence of God. I'm convinced that the reason we don't go back to where I lost it is because it's too painful. It's too difficult. I don't want to deal with that again. But now I'm going to give you the last scripture. You can go there. You don't have to, Brother Ron. I'll paraphrase it. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 
You know what 2 Samuel 23 was? It was David. He's on his deathbed. And you know what David says in his deathbed? His last words. Now these are the last words of David, David's son, just a man who was raised upon high, anointed of God. That's all what he did. Next verse. Let's go fast, Brother Ron. And the Spirit of the Lord spake by him and his word by my tongue. Oh, I'm all that. That's what David said. I was what God made me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Next verse. And, God, and the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He ruled over me and just, here it is. Notice the key word. He that ruleth over me. You know what David's last words, this connects to Psalm 73. When David couldn't get over it, you know what his consolation was? When he went in the presence of God, he realized, Brother Roger, God rules over them, not me. It's kind of like me as a pastor. I heard Brother Bernard say it, Sister Bushnell, so wonderfully. He said, your job as a shepherd is to just tell people what you feel. But I'm not making the decision for you. you got to make that decision. Because you will be responsible for your own. You're not tying me to your mule. you got to make your own decision. But I'll tell you what I feel. That's what David said. David went and he was ruling in Psalms. And he realized these are not mine. These are your people, God. That's why I've always made the comment, Brother Roger, I'm just the under-shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. He's a true shepherd. I'm just the tender of the flock, taking care of what God's entrusted me and us with. Next verse, Brother Ron. Verse 4. And he shall be a light in the morning. And he's encouraging himself. The sun rises every morning without clouds. Next verse. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things. And sure, for this is the salvation. i got to be saved. i got to be saved. i got to be saved. I say it again. And nothing matters more than to be saved and pleasing unto God. And my family saved. And our church is saved. Next verse. And the sons of Belial shall be of them with thorns in the way, because he could not take them with hands. Next verse. The man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned in fire in the same place. Next verse. These be the name of the mighty men. Here's what David just said. He said, I cannot take care of what people do wrong. All I can take care of is what I do wrong or right. I did it right, but I've done it wrong. Is there anybody here today with this preacher that would honestly say, I've done some things right? But I've done some things wrong. But through it all, I cannot lose what God started in my life and in my family. Lift your hands right now all across this building. God didn't bring you here today just to hear a sermon. You can hear that on the internet. God gave a word to somebody here today. Reaching for somebody. Come on. Where did we lose it? You need to let your mind go no matter how painful it may be. I'm not saying relive the past. I'm saying go back to that moment and say, God, I can do it different right now. I told you before, you can't alter the past. You put your past on an altar and say, God, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. I want you to grab the hand to the person next to you. Step out of that pew together as a family. And we're going to close together as a family. Come on. Grab their hand. Come together as a family. God's asking somebody a question today. Where did I lose it? Where, where did you lose it? He's offering it. God, don't ever ask a question if you don't already have the answer. God's already got the answer. He just wants you and I to have that self-awareness again to realize where we did lose it, that self-consciousness. Come on, let's use what God created us in the image of.
He, he created us with a self-consciousness. Let's look at that now in the Word of God and say, Okay, God, I come to myself. Help me here today. Come on, lift your voice right now. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Jesus, I need you today. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your favor. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. You've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. You've lost your worship. You've lost your praise. Maybe you've lost your family. But today, if I'll go back to the place, maybe it was things and decisions I should have made. I'm going to make a different decision today. It's all about decision and living for God. today come on Lord show me where I lost it that I can go back and get it again God my, my family's dependent on it Lord my children are dependent on it